I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, welcome to Carabao You Red. The fixtures are out in the Premier League season. feels like a little bit closer. We're going to discuss that and one or two transfer rumours. But I feel like we have to start by recognising the tragic events of Tuesday. I thought long and hard about what I'd say and what I could say that would make any difference. I thought long and hard about the victims. Often we say thoughts are with the families at times like this, but this is so close to home. Something which happened on the street so many of us have walked so many times. Barnaby Weber and Grace Kumar were both students at Nottingham Uni, both 19, both talented athletes. I've thought of myself now as a 40-year-old with a family of my own. They've had all these great life experiences taken away from them by a senseless act none of us can comprehend. So too has Ian Coates, a 65-year-old Forest fan, a school caretaker who was just months away from retirement. One of our own. We've spoken many times about the power of unity on this podcast, of standing together in good times and bad, and what that can achieve. This isn't football. It's far more important. But I believe that Nottingham will come together again at a time of great adversity and sadness for everyone not least the families of those who have been taken. Our thoughts really are with them. Um, yeah, that's a rough intro, but I don't know. I thought we should say something about it. Obviously, I mean, it's a, a tough few days for everyone. So, um, yeah, our thoughts really are with everyone. Um, I don't know. There's no easy transition to make going into football chat. So I'll just introduce everyone, then we'll get down to business. Um, Greg, how are you doing? Yeah, well said, Matt. Lovely words. Just uh, a real tough time. Can't imagine what those families are going through. So, um our beautiful city's there for them. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure they'll get through this somehow. But yeah, well Mikey, said, Matt. Mikey Clark, you okay, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks, Matt. Um, yeah, I echo what Greg said. Well said, mate. I know that was difficult for you to for you to write and articulate, but me and Greg, um, you know, fully support those words. So nice one, and I'm fine, Matt. Thank you. Good. Right. Um, dust ourselves down. Let's get down to business. Um, We'll ask Mikey about his football shirt at the end, as normally he's got something obscure and weird for us, but we'll get to that later and we'll focus on the fixtures for initially for Forest, then we'll get into the transfer rumours. Um, let's talk about, I'll put a graphic up for Forest's first six games and we can just talk about uh, what we think is going to happen. Here's the first six games for the Reds. Crons. Uh, starts at Arsenal away, Sheffield United at home, Man United away, Chelsea away. Burnley at home, Man City away. Not necessarily the fixtures you want when you've been absolutely god-awful away the previous season, but we uh, did finish the season better on the road and it's a fresh dawn, so uh, hopefully we can be top of the league after six games. Greg, you're an optimist. Are you glass half full or glass half empty about that? You say Christ, but I don't think Jesus is going to help, is it? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't mind it. We're going to have to play. It's funny because I'm sure last season when the fixtures came out, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And then I think it's a weaker league this season and you see those fixtures, you go, bloody hell. (laughs) But um, we aren't the team we were this season. We've got to get that mental, you know, that mental block about the away games out of heads for next season. And we pick up 
some points out of those away games and we're in a fantastic position. So bring them on early. Arsenal are still, uh, you know, licking the wounds. Man City hopefully will be hung over and uh, we can get a result at Man U. There'll be one or two of them games where we get something. So, And that's all we need if we win our home games. Yeah, Jack Grealish is probably still hung over, I think. So come uh, September the 23rd, he's enjoyed his, his uh, wins. Mikey, how are you feeling? Are you more glass half empty or are you as optimistic as Greg? No, I'm, I'm as optimistic. Mind you, when I first saw them, I thought, well, I said to somebody, is this a joke? Like, has somebody just done, done that for a laugh? Because, you know, playing all those four in a row and then I think we've got Liverpool straight afterwards is... Is, is really a, is a really tricky start, but you have to play everybody twice. And now I'm, I'm glass full, mate. You've got to play them all. But uh, there's a couple of couple couple of uh, winnable home games in there, absolutely. So let's be positive. And like Greg said, you know we, we were god awful away from home last season, but the back end of the season we did pick up. So who's who's not to say we can't go away to one of those teams and spring a spring a result? But no, you got to play them. Got to play them all twice. And I'm very much glass half full. Yeah, I think obviously it just puts an onus on those two home games, um, which isn't particularly what you want. But we've been so strong at home that you would back us to get, well, I would say at least four points. But it feels like you need six to lay a foundation for the season and then nick a point or two away from home or maybe a a win. I just don't, I think Chelsea are going to be much better than they were last season under Pochettino than they were under Lampard. But, uh, you know, Arsenal away sort of presents a bit of an opportunity. Everyone's going to expect them to win comfortably. I saw a few of their fan comments saying, you know, 5-0 again after last season, revenge for the home game. So there's certainly um, hope there. Now, this is a frivolous question because we haven't signed anyone. We don't know what our squads are going to look like. But what's a decent points return, Greg, from those first six games for you? Um, This sounds quite negative. I was going to sell seven points. Win the home games and get a point at one of those three. It's it's just tough, isn't it? We know that you have to get used to not winning every game, and we did do that, and we still came out of it positive. So, just get a decent result at one of those away games and win the win the bankers that we didn't win last season in the Fulhams and Bournemouths. It's now the Burnleys and Sheffield United. So those home games are absolutely critical for the good start. What about you, Mikey? What's the solid return? Well, I was going to say seven as well, but I hark back to something Fletch said last season where, you know, let's stop trying to look at games in groups, perhaps, and just look at the accumulation of points. So it's really about how you finish the season and where you end up, obviously. So remember that last season's start, we really struggled. We had one point from seven games, something like that. Now, nobody wants that start again, but it's not the end of the world if we lose those first four away games as long as we pick up the odd points. So I draw your attention to December as well. You know, there's seven fixtures in December. It's a really heavy month there and there's some winnable games. So even if we don't start like a train and spring a few surprises, you know, it's a long old season, long old season. So I'm going to say, if you you ask me now seven points, I'd bite your hand off, win the two home games, keep that home form going, spring a result somewhere, and then take it from there because the next six after that, apart from maybe Liverpool away, I think we can win the vast majority of them. So, again, let's see where we are 10 or 12 games down the line rather than that initial month, which we all know is going to be really, really tough. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think six points is a solid return because then once, you know, you don't have to go to all the big six clubs on at the away games, you know, the, they tend to be the ones that you write off as 
free hits. And I know fans don't like us saying that. And, you know, I agree, not, no games are free hit in this league. But if you get those tough games out of the way and then you look at our fixtures going into Christmas, there's kind of a, a run of home games where you think, actually, we could win. You know, we're confident winning almost you know, all of those, hopefully. Although, like you say, you don't, you shouldn't judge games just on paper. But I, I think, you know, lay a decent foundation, go from there and then um, take us into the run-in. Uh, before we get to the run-in, um, any kind of patterns you've noticed, Greg, or any particular games you're looking forward to, or, or to uh, either away or at home? I think it's the, the cluster of games in, is it December? There's a right big, like, because August, I think we only play at home once. A, a second home game, something like September the 16th. So there's going to be a lot of fans who only see us play once in the first month and a half or whatever of the season. So I think December, like this year, is is critical. And I, I really like the running, but we just need to make sure that we've got a right nice base of points to, to get us into that running, which could push us wherever it needs to push us higher up the league. Um, just before I come to you, Mikey, Greg mentions that first home game and a few fans have noticed, and I think Temps might have noticed, obviously, in the WhatsApp group, the first home game clashes with a hundred game uh, at Trent Bridge, so I wouldn't be surprised to see that one move uh, either a day forward or a day back. Um, depending, it might get picked up for TV as well, anyway. So yeah, I wouldn't bank on that one staying where it is. What about you? Any fixtures that stand out for you, and particularly looking forward to, or, or clutches of games that are pivotal? Yeah, so I'm just having a quick look now to to remind myself. So the one that jumps out for me, obviously, is um, Everton away, day after my birthday in April. Never been there. I've, I'd love to go there. Um, and uh, we probably owe him for last season. But I think, other than what Greg said around December, there's a couple of weeks in October and November that quite interest me. So you've got Palace away, where we got the, the points at the end of the season. Luton at home. So you'd like to think we might win that. Liverpool away, which was probably the start of our upturn in fortune away from home. We put in a really good performance there. And then you've got Villa, West Ham, and then Brighton at home. There's absolutely points there in those four or five weeks. And that is literally just as we build up to the Christmas period. So like I said at the start, if we start a bit slow, bearing in mind what we have, there's definite opportunity to pick it up sort of five or six weeks later for that run-in. So those five or six games really stand out to me. There's definitely points in there. Uh, I'm just going to skirt back. This is a good question from Dan. I should probably have asked. It's an interesting talk about it, about the approach to those early games, particularly the away ones, I guess. Do you think he has to stick with the kind of mantra that we saw at the end of last season to, to grind out points, Mikey? Mm, good question. So I think... Back end of last season, I was advocating being a bit more front foot and trying to score some goals and attacking it. And I guess we did see that. But then again, some of our best performances have been where we've had the back five and we've maintained low block and we've won it sort of 1-0. I don't think that's sustainable. It really just depends on the recruitment, to be honest with you. If we've got players that can maybe get more than 25 or 30% possession in a game, certainly away from them, that would really help. But I just think you've got to be realistic, you know. You know, Five of the first six away games are, what, Chelsea, both Manchester clubs, Arsenal and Liverpool. I mean, it doesn't matter who we buy, they're, they're going to be really tough. So I kind of expect us to 
probably go with a back five, sit low, try and nick something. But after that, like I said, a couple of those those fixtures that said just there, I'd like to see us a bit more on the front foot. But again, it, it comes with where you are in the table, how you're doing at home. It's all lifts and butts, I know. But, you know, eight points away from home last season. What was it? One win or two wins? One win, was it, Southampton? And, and a few draws? I mean, it's not really good enough, is it? So, if we have anything like that this season, we'll struggle. But I'd like to think that once we get over those first few um, away games that are really tricky, we'd be more of a front foot team and actually have a go at teams, whether that means a back four, pushing a bit higher. Um, but we'll see how it goes. It's all it's all lifts and butts, but, but bloody hell, that's a, that's a hell of a start to a season away from home. So, no, let's just play a back five and try and get the odd point, I think. Does it make you think, I know, Greg, you're thinking of Europe and top 10 finish, but then you look at it and think, Oh god, it's such a hard league, isn't it? Gonna have some great away days in August, though. <laughs> <laughs> I've told myself I'm gonna have a bit of a break off drinking in July, so uh, I think August is <laughs> double it up. But um, you know, we went Man City early last season and we lost six nil. We've now got, to, and it sounds silly, but we've got a gauge, haven't we? We lost five nil to Arsenal. You know, we put up some good performances early season against these away teams and. We'll see where we are. We'll know from last year, you know, I went in a bit silly, obviously. But that that August is really going to tell us so much about where we are in the season, even if the, we don't get all the results we we, we might deserve. Uh, so I, I'm, I see it now and I'm glad it's happening the way it is. I just think play them early, play them before they've all settled in because they're all going to have a load of new players as well. Arsenal, they're not going to be finishing second next season. So arguably they're not going to be as strong. Um, yeah, it's exciting. It's why we're in this league, isn't it, for, for days out like that. So bring them on early whilst the sun's out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I certainly don't think... Obviously, there were there were a few absolute hammerings last season. City, Arsenal, Leicester, you know, weirdly. But I don't, I don't think, touch wood, we're going to go and get slaughtered anywhere. I think we're a better team than that, but it's just hard. It's so hard to turn a... 2-1 defeat into a 2-2 draw or a 1-1 draw or something. And I think that's the, the challenge that Forrest are going to have to embrace. Um, just quickly before we move on to transfers, we'll have a quick look at the last six fixtures uh, just to gauge the run-in. Obviously, so far away, we don't know how good some of these teams are going to be, but it doesn't look too bad on paper. Although, again, a lot of, a lot of these uh, more winnable games are away from home. But Forrest finish, uh, for those who are listening or watching, uh, Wolves at home, Everton away, Man City at home, Sheffield United away, Chelsea at home, and Burnley away on the last day. And obviously, we very much hope that Forest don't need anything at Turf more unless it's to get into Europe. Um, but it, hopefully, it's just another away day party. Greg, what do you think about those? The last home games are City and Chelsea, which isn't ideal, but it's a decent mix otherwise. I'd like to send those two last away teams down on the day we visit them. That'll be nice because I don't think <laughs> don't think much of e- don't think much of either of them. What's your Burnley gripe? Oh, they're just not. I don't like them. Don't like the away <laughs> day. Uh, at least the, there might be some cricket on pre-match. Watch at the uh, cricket ground oh, next yeah, to the yeah. ground, but uh, no, not a fan of either of them. So they can uh, they can be gone. We can do that to them. And, uh, yeah, anyone at home, we get results against. So it doesn't matter about who we're playing at home. I love the Wolves and Everton games. Uh, so, yeah, it's good. That's a that's a good running, that is. It's a lot better than last season's running. And look how we, befo- we performed on that. 
Yeah, well, we're severely lacking uh, grudge matches now. Leicester have gone down. Not the the, the grudge is more. Well, I've just now I've just made a couple. There you go. Well, the Wolves, <laughs> uh, Wolves, you know, Forest and Wolves seem to hate each other suddenly, Mikey. So that's a decent one to look forward to, I guess. It is. It's a good. I think it's, I agree with Greg. I think it's a good running. Um, there's definitely winnable games there, and you'd like to think by the time we play Man City at home with four games to go, they'll have wrapped up everything and be in the later stages of European competition. So my might rest a few clutchiness draws, you never know. But certainly those last three, Sheffield United away, Burnley away, Chelsea at home, we can turn over, I would have thought. Fingers crossed. But no, I think it looks good. It looks it looks healthy. Let's just hope we're in a, a strong position. You know what you just said just there, Matt, about um, you don't think we're going to go away and get slaughtered. You know that's going to be clipped, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> 15th of June, Matthew Davis, we're not going to get slaughtered. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll note that down for our end of season, uh, yeah, omnibus podcast that we always do. Uh, right, I think that pretty much covers the fixtures. There's only so much you can say about playing each team twice. Obviously, Forrest's best chance of winning these games is putting a very solid squad together. So we'll talk a bit about transfer rumours. Um, we discussed Brennan Johnson, I think it was last Monday, wasn't it? Where Temps was adamant he's absolutely not going anywhere. But I just think these rumours are going to persist and test Forrest's resolve. Brentford bidding... 30 million um, to try and get him. Uh, we'll start with you, Greg, on the rumour itself, because, you know, on your list of grudge clubs, it's getting ever longer. Brentford are on it. What do you think about that bid? Brentford are top, if I'm honest, yeah. <laughs> They've done that just to try and upset us. They know 30 million's nowhere near it. Uh, what I will say and what I'd imagine is um, Brennan's agent must love that because that must mean... You know, look, there's teams that want him. There's teams that are going to pay him a lot more than we currently are. So offer the lad a contract. And uh, that's what I'd love to see from this. And I think that's the most likely scenario that happens. Uh, it benefits everyone because he's going to be a top, top player going for top, top money. And, you know, he's already, you could argue, he's already double the 30 million value for a young British player like he is. Uh, so give him a new contract. And then if next season... He wants to move on, which you'd imagine that might be the, the optimum time for him. We'll get a hell of a lot more than that pathetic Brentford bid. That you know, <laughs> What a waste of time that was. But there you go. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Do you think, Mikey, like Greg says, that's the subtext to all of this? I don't think it's any surprise that you know clubs are dropping into the press. Is this all about potentially? Get, does this end with him signing a new contract? Do you think? Yeah, of course. It, that's what it's all about. It's it's this it's the season, isn't it, to do it? So I hate agreeing with Greg, but he's right. I think Brentford is too low bar for Brennan Johnson. You know, if he's going to go anywhere, it'll be a 
top six club um, maybe the year after this one because I, I genuinely think he's that good. So I'll t- I tell you what, it does t- um, give you a, a bit of um, uh, a bit of a boost on. So Brentford wouldn't have targeted him if he didn't hit all those metrics that they sort of gauge success by. So by default, having Brentford interested in one of your players is probably a good thing. But like I said, 30 million probably doesn't buy his left leg. So I, I, I suspect that unless it snowballs into a bidding war where some of your more, I say more established teams, yeah, more established teams come in for Brennan, some of those higher echelon teams, I suspect it'll probably end up with him getting a new contract. It's probably well-deserved as well. He was brilliant last season. Um, and, then, and then the question then remains, does that contract have a release clause? I, I, this is just what we have to live with now. You know, we're not in League One anymore. We're not bottom of the championship. We're not sniffing around for free transfers and getting getting people's um, rejects that, you know, can't fit in at another club. We're now in a, you know, in a space where teams are starting their bids at £30 million for our players. And that's, mm. you know, if I would have said that 18 months, two years ago, you'd have laughed me off the off the show. But that's kind of where we are. So we should play hardball. I think he's got three years left of his deal. You know, he's a Nottingham lad. He's no rush to leave, I wouldn't have thought. But no, Brentford are way too low for for uh, for Brennan in terms of his career. And they'll have to probably double that to even get talking, I'd have thought. Yeah, I, I I agree. It's a good point about Brentford identifying him because they need to replace Tony. So they're obviously looking for real talent that can play straight away in their setup. So it's, it is good that Brentford are looking at him because they are, you know, they are strong in the transfer market. So, and they're um, they're fans that talk way too much about their their team. Uh, they always say they only buy players where they've got a, a much better sell-on clause because they re- they reach a a ceiling where they know they can sell them no matter how good and they've done it for years and it does work so yeah going in at 30 million means they know that in a couple of years time it'll be worth a hell of a lot more than that mm. so they've become too obvious the little games don't work anymore mm. a couple of people noting brennan only signed a contract a year ago but i don't think that's relevant these days really no, no. players have a good season especially young players they're going to want another contract they're going to be one to pay you know commensurately with the players that came in on really big money from foreign clubs, you know, that's what their camp will want for them. So I don't think that's a factor at all, personally. An interesting, frivolous question from, let me scroll up and find it, James Vincent. Every player's got a price. If there was a real bidding war for Brennan Johnson, what is his price, Greg? For starters, it depends who he goes to. I think you just do not sell him to a team around us, no matter what the price. Uh, but for me not to be absolutely upset, <laughs> I think, and it is too early for this, I think you go top six club and 80 million next season. He doesn't go this summer. It'd be crazy if, unless he absolutely pushed for a move, which I, I doubt he would, you do not sell your your most valuable asset this summer when you know he's only just at the start of his his journey of value really for us because it's only going higher and higher with him. Yeah, I think it'd be a real mistake. We just, you know, we saw last season how valuable the squad is. I mean, I know Brennan might actually sit out some of those earlier away days, but I think it'd be. You massive, just you have to. Who was the Everton player that went to Newcastle I'm last? Googling it now. Uh, yeah, Gordon. yeah, exactly. It was Anthony Gordon's fee, and I think yeah. he's worth much more than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was to put a fee where I wouldn't be gutted. 
don't know. 70, 60 to 70 million? Anything less than that, I think, would be... I, I think this is, like I say, just a notional chat, but Mikey, stick a figure on it just to round us off. Yeah, I said I wouldn't even start talking until it gets to 60 million, but you've, you've, got, to, you've got to think about what it will cost to replace him as well. So who are you going to get that offers what he does with his electric place, you know, ability to play in numerous positions, incredible high ceiling. We know he's going to go to the top, this lad. And who are you going to get to replace him? Because you're going to have to spend half of that on a substandard Brennan Johnson anyway. So I, I, I just think, you, you know, we're not going to get better by selling our best players. You know, we, we just scraped, we scraped it last season and we've stayed in the Premier League. The first thing we shouldn't be doing is selling our best player, pretty much. I've just been nuts. Him or Gibbs White. So I, I'd like Forrest to build the team around those guys. And like Greg said, though, you know, if the season goes on, if he has another good season like he did last season, there's going to be bigger clubs in for him for Brentford and we're going to get a lot more money than what we're talking about now. So, um, you know, the guys were mentioning in the comments about he has signed a new contract. And yes, it is irrelevant to a certain degree, but what it does do is it protects that asset. So he's not in his last year, he's not even in his second last year. So there's no pressure on Forrest to sell like there is, say, Mason Mount at Chelsea, where he's going into his last year and they'll eventually sell him for whatever thing. We're not in that position. So there's no there's no need for Forrest to sell enough unless a daft big comes in. But I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even pick up the phone if it's anything less than 60 million. No, uh, Jack Grealish is another. He's an interesting comparison as well. He had, you know, a season back in the Premier League with Villa where he did well. And then he had a second season where he did really, really well and he got £100 million moved to Man City and he's a top-class player now. And I think, I don't know why Brennan would go at this stage when he's going to be a regular for Forest and he's got a great coach who's developed him. You know, look at the strides he's taken the last two years under Steve Cooper. If he keeps there, keeps here, then there's no reason to think he can't find that next gear and keep going on. We hope Forrest is going to be a better team next season. And we saw with, you know, Joe Worrell, players get better with better players around them. So... I don't see any reason to sell him at all at this stage. Maybe next year in 12 months, we're having a totally different conversation, but right now doesn't make any sense to me. Um, let's move on to uh, actually an incoming winger, potentially that Forrest have been linked with. Um, Carlos Borges, 19 uh, year old Man City winger can play both flanks. Got 29 goals last season in their under 23s. He's never played a senior goal. Uh, senior game, excuse me, but he's got one year left in his contract. And according to ESPN, he's valued at 11 million quid. I haven't seen much of him. I mean, the videos look really exciting and he scored a few against Derby last season. Greg, is there, there much we can say other than it sounds a, an interesting one? Yeah, I wake, I've been on night. So I woke up uh, uh, late morning to a message off my city mate, Craig, saying how, uh, how good he is. I think he swore, sorry, but something about being mustered and... Uh, if we don't get him, then he won't be surprised if he signs a new contract. So I've never watched him play. I can't say he's great, but I like the fact that Man City fans telling me how good he is and he'd expect him to sign a contract if he doesn't sign with us. So this talk of a loan, isn't there, if we don't buy him? Maybe he signs for them and we get him on year for a loan. But I, I love transfer talk like that. Young players, you know, hungry, wanting to play in the Premier League. Uh, yeah, that, that's exactly the type of person I want us to sign mm, Yeah I mean Mikey I did look online at what fans were saying when they saw the rumour City fans and they were like he's worth way more than that he's he's quality don't sell him 
that that is encouraging. I know it's it's just a rumor at this stage, but for Forest to be targeting that that level of young talent, it is good still, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'd rather I'd rather that than you know somebody at the back end of their career that's only going to get worse and is going to command a bigger transfer fee and bigger wages. I think my only my only word of word of warning, I guess, on this is. You know, I think we've all seen the YouTube clips. He looks ridiculously fast, but then Dia Carby looked fast on YouTube, didn't he? We all know Carby, this subject is my favourite ever clip that goes right oh, yeah. First touch exactly. of goal kick. Exactly. It's brilliant. Um, so I've been a little bit cautious. But it does give me a bit of heart what Greg was saying about people that obviously know, know him a lot more than us, thinking he's a decent player. Um, another word of caution. I think Southampton signed a lot of young players last season. They signed a kid called Sammy Odozi from... Manchester City was in the same team as him mm. uh, and he, for, for a similar price as well. And I think he's going to be a good player, but he's you know, just completely out of his depth in this league. So it's just about finding that balance. If we can get somebody like him in and then a few more maybe senior pros, I don't know, mid-20s, I don't know, you know, people that have kind of been around the block a little bit and can add that bit of experience, the balance and the makeup of the side would give me a lot of a lot of heart. Um, just as I will like to sign five or six players at the back end of their career. It's the same with signing players at the start of their career. There's, there's risks attached to each. But, you know, like I said before, we're being linked with, like, quick Man City wingers. So that's great. I think it's... But you're going to get a load of this. Honestly, every time we come on here, there's going to be different names. But I think if it's somebody that Cooper's identified and the way we play, which is rapid on the transition, somebody like that would really appeal to the fans, I would have thought, as well. Sounds an exciting player, so we just have to watch what happens. Yeah, that's a good point about trace uh, pace on the transition. And picking up on the Southampton thing you said, which is a good point. I mean, they went way overboard with young players, but they also got Lavia from uh, Man City, who's a top player, and looks like he's going to get a big move. And one thing City seem to do, they don't mind selling a young player, but they'll put a buyback clause in the contract. Mm. And you know, they did that with Douglas Louise at Villa, and it expired. But I think they've done that with quite a few of these Southampton kids, or they'll loan them out. So... There is a good um, source to target, I think, City, definitely. Certainly an interesting one, so we'll keep uh, keep tabs on that. Uh, I think that covers most things we were going to say. The other thing to monitor is um, Evangelos Maranakis was thinking of buying Monza in Italy, which is interesting. Uh, maybe get that uh, left-back, Greg, that we were linked with. Is it Carlos Augusto? Does something like that sound good? I don't think we have to be concerned about what, what he's done there, do we? I think... Uh... We seem to be the project. The Premier League is obviously the project for him. So if it can help us move players about, and I think it's a positive thing. I mean, Mike is the Italian correspondent, isn't he? He probably knows all about him. So I'll leave that one for him. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Tell us what your shirt is, Mikey. I mean, he hasn't actually bought um, he hasn't bought Monzi yet, as far as I can tell. I was reading up on it. Before we went, before we came on, but it's one that's in the pipeline. What's what shirt are you wearing today? So this today, guys, is FC Sorrento, so Serie D's finest. So if we stop signing players from them, I'll be really worried because I watched their training and I think I could probably get in their team. So uh, yeah, it's me and one of my other uh, random tops. So um, I think just going back to Greg's point on a serious note, it's just about the balance and makeup of the squad, and I'm. I'm probably more interested in who leaves, if I'm honest. Because if you look at, I think I said this the other week, you know, you've got Brennan, Nico, Danilo, I think somebody else that now have to be registered in the 25. So 
we're going to have to ship a few players out. And as long as we end the transfer window with a balanced squad with cover for every position, so obviously some jump out like left back, you know, we've only got Toffolo, I think, oh, Richards, but, you know, who knows about him? As long as we've got cover, I think we'll be okay. But it's, it is really exciting. I'm genuinely excited about the next few weeks. You know, I just think that, I think that we won't go as mad as we've done previously. And I know this is Nottingham Forest, and I know people even go, come on, it's Forest. We're going to sign 15 players and let 20 go. I really hope we don't. I hope we let the ones go that we need to go, and then we sign four or five, and that's it. Because, you know, we were talking earlier on about the fact we got stuffed at the start of the season. It's because nobody knew each other. You know, there was a load of new players. They were just trying to find each other. We're not going to have that this season. We've got the makeup and the balance of that team and all it needs is one, two, three, four key quality players being added to it and they can hit the ground running at the start of the season which gives me even more optimism that we don't need to be afraid of any of these fixtures at the start. We can go away and compete because they're not 11 strangers anymore. You know, the, the team unity we showed at the back end of last season should carry on into this season so let's all be positive, let's all look forward to what we're going to get through the door and out the door um, and I reckon we're going to have a great season. I know we're not doing predictions now and I keep changing my mind, but I might be nearer to Greg than Temps this year. <laughs> uh, one final point before we go that a couple of people have rightly raised in the comments around the African Cup of Nations, which I think might deprive us of a clutch of players for up to four games around December time. Is that, that's a concern, Greg, isn't it? We've got Nia Kate, Awanyi, Bolly, uh, Kriate, Aurier. I mean, that's a, a clutch of important first-team players there we're going to have to mitigate for, potentially. Yeah, I didn't realise it was four games. I thought that went into the international. We've got a two-week international I think, break. I think that's they? like if, the, if they win it or something. I think that oh, might okay. be the absolute worst-case scenario. But I think oh, it's going to be at least two games. That's why we're going to be building a squad, aren't we? Like every other top team in the Premier League, they're all going to be losing a hell of a lot of their good players for the Premier so let's say we play someone who's lost five players instead of our four. <laughs> Everyone's going to be in the same boat in in, in that uh, situation, I'm sure of it. Yeah. I think it's just so we probably do, well, we've said this already, I think we need another number nine in in through the door to cover any one-year injuries. But um, yeah, that's one to bear in mind. Right. Uh, before we go, any other business, Mikey? You want to add? Um, nothing really. I was just going to mention, I, I, I didn't know whether we're going to touch on it, just contracts as well for some of these players. So, um, Yates, he's got two years left, Warren McKenna, one year. I just think maybe we need to look after those players first, but I'm sure that's all, all in the pipeline. You know, I, I'd love to see our club captain tied down for, uh, for a few more years and then obviously make a decision on, on some of the others as well. I think we spoke about it last week, but no, just echo what I said before. Really positive time to be a Forest fan and, you know, let's just look forward to, to what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. And I can't see them selling Johnson or a Gibbs White. I'll be astonished. And you can clip that as well, Matt, and play it back to me when they've sold him in two weeks. I'm sure that'll be the case. Greg, anything from you before we go? No, nothing from me for once. Just uh, look after each other and enjoy your summer. Say hello to your neighbours if you've never said hello to them before because we're a, a lovely city, aren't we, so appreciate it yeah good point good point right uh, just to mention the live shows next week as well bring a couple of pound coins with you because we'll uh should have an auction on the day i don't know if i mentioned that um and there's food there anyway or oh, obviously the nav takes cards so uh 
put your money over the bar. They'd be very grateful. And hopefully we'll see as many people as possible there on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. I might be able to release a handful of tickets for each uh, show, probably on... Um, Oh, God, that's my kid's school calling, I think. Uh, probably on Monday or Tuesday. So, yeah. Right. Uh, thanks very much, everyone. Greg, thank you. Yeah, see you all next Wednesday. My drinking yes. band doesn't start till after that, so I might have a couple. <laughs> Mikey, see you next week. Yeah, see, see, see you next week and see everybody next Wednesday and Thursday for the live shows. Yeah, come and say hello if you're coming. Otherwise, uh, we've got a normal podcast on Monday. Um with Simon Bristow from Our Glorious Bands talking about his book and we'll have a few other interviews through the summer plus all this transfer chat. So have a good few days everyone. Echo what Greg said about uh, life is short and we should all uh, make the most of it I guess the last few days have shown us. So uh, we'll see you all soon. <laughs>